the first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. You can never truly, really know anyone, no matter how close you are, because everyone potentially can be a murderer. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting right next to Alexis Linkletter and right across from Billy Jensen. The gang's all here, guys. The gang's here yes, for the first time in six months. How are we feeling? Pretty nice. Half a year. Feeling pretty good. I feel complete again. Yeah. Yes. You guys complete me and I've been missing you for so, so long. I miss you guys too. This is really nice. This is great. We're having some drinks. It's just like old times. We have Jared on the computer doing all the edits or whatever the hell he does over there. And uh, yeah, it feels good. It does feel good. Billy, what day is it today? Okay. Now, there is, there, there's two days here. One day, I know the one that, that you're going to gravitate towards. I nope. want to say one day before that, though. You're, you're, you're not. Well, before we started, I said that there was a very specific day I'm excited to talk about. You're not going to guess it, but go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm going to get, uh, well, make your own luck day. Mm. The reason why I like that is because uh, the Billy Zane quote from Titanic a real oh. man makes his own luck. Yes, I love Billy Zane. <laughs> he was hot. I've never seen a hotter man than Billy Zane in Titanic. I know. He was very underrated in the hotness level. He Everybody was, was about so Leo, but unlikable, though, because he was such a meanie but in, like, that, in that Yeah, movie. but I love how they try to make him seem lame because he's like, she has the Picasso paintings, and he's like, he'll never amount to anything. Just trust me. <laughs> But like, he did want to save her, and she said no. I know. All right. It's also National Dog Day. Mm, That's a good one. That is a good one. That what, wasn't the one I was going to talk about, Billy. What is the one that you're going to talk about? So it's also National Toilet Paper Day. Important and day. I have a bone to pick with Alexis. What? Because we're in my apartment right now, and I ran out of toilet paper. And uh-huh. Alexis went to go. She refilled the toilet paper. Oh, I know what you're going to say. She's... An underer toilet paper loader. Okay, I'm not just at your house. I was <laughs> quickly doing it. I don't do that at my own house. I'm really sorry. See, I've never noticed that before, because but I was shocked. You, you would have said something at my house. You would have noticed that I was just haphazardly <laughs> reloading the toilet paper dispensing device. That was my bad. So you're you're denying. I'm an overer. You're an overer, not yeah. an underer. No. Okay. Well, I just had to bring it up because that was a shocking revelation. I'm never going to make this mistake again. <laughs> Clearly, I feel scary right now. You are. You know, I'm just like scaring Alexis. Kind of. It's I'm kinda, embarrassed. It's kind of good. Well, you know, that's enough of that. Don't be an underer. By the way, not you. Oh, anyone. One. One. One listening. Got it. Okay. That's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. There are moments in our young lives that when they are happening in real time, don't feel all that significant. 
that boy you went out with but never kissed in middle school, sneaking out of your house to hang out with your girlfriends, kissing a boy in your car by the lake in the woods. The moment passes and you move on with your life. But there are those rare moments when you learn a piece of information that turns your world upside down. That moment could have sent you down a dark road. Today's case takes us back to October 8th of the year 2000. Songs music by Madonna and Come On Over Baby by Christina Aguilera were topping the charts, and movies like Meet the Parents and Requiem for a Dream were in theaters. The setting for today's case is Struthers, Ohio. And here's our first degree, Lashika, who grew up in Struthers. So we grew up in Struthers, Ohio. Um, which is a small town. I think it's like 13 square miles and it's just not a lot of people. It was a big steel mill industry. It just, it's kind of a, a poorer area. I mean, it has its pockets of like wealthy, wealthier spots, but by means nothing like, you know, I guess Scottsdale or Hollywood or, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a small town. Um, you know, you got a corner store, you got like one major grocery store. People kind of keep to themselves. The major city next to it is Youngstown, Ohio, which was murder capital of America in like 92. So 95, like around there, like a couple years, which is crazy to think because it's such a small little town. Struthers doesn't even have a cemetery. One of the questions that was on Jeopardy was, what's the only city in America that doesn't have a cemetery? And I was like, we, we don't, Struthers? And that was the answer, it was the right answer. Struthers, Ohio is right outside of Youngstown, Ohio. And it was in Youngstown on the evening of October 8th that parents of 12-year-old Shannon Lee Koss were becoming increasingly anxious. That's because it was approaching midnight on a Sunday night, and they hadn't seen their daughter since 4 p.m. earlier that day. While she'd only been missing for eight hours, we're dealing with a 12-year-old. So this is pretty alarming, especially given that it was a school night. Once the clock struck midnight and Shannon was still nowhere to be found, her parents decided to call the police and report her missing. The police arrived to speak with Shannon's mother and stepfather. They learned that Shannon was a 7th grader who attended nearby Volney Rogers Junior High. Shannon was extremely smart and intellectually ahead of most of the kids in her class. And because of this, she also took courses at a local institution called the Chauvin Career Center, which was part of Volney Rogers' gifted and talented program. So Shannon is clearly a very sharp kid. But as we know, an implication of being so quick-witted at such a young age is thinking that you know everything and sometimes even thinking that you know better than the adults in your life. Neighbors described Shannon as a normal 12-year-old girl, although she did argue with her parents often and had quite a rebellious streak. Shannon's parents provided a description of her. She had brown hair, she was petite, and she was very pretty, but certainly still looked like a child. Remember, she was 12 after all. 
And as the police are speaking with Shannon's parents, they learn that Shannon had been in a bit of trouble lately. She and her parents had been experiencing some friction with each other, and this happens a lot with preteen kids and their parents. But for Shannon and her parents, it had actually gotten so bad that Shannon had recently been arrested on domestic violence charges against her parents. And following the charges, Shannon had been placed on house arrest because she was becoming impossible for her parents to control. As the police were listening to this story, they start wondering if Shannon had succumbed to foul play or maybe she had just run away after a fight with her parents. So the police need to flesh out this relationship. So they speak with some of the neighbors to see what they could find out about the family. And one neighbor told the cops that she would see and hear Shannon fighting with her family a lot. One day she told them, and this is a quote, I was outside digging in my garden and Shannon ran out of the house and her stepfather was yelling. I asked what was wrong and he said, you don't want to get involved in our problems. So what we're hearing about, are these instances normal teenage growing pains or is there something more serious going on here? At this point, the police weren't sure, but their instincts were that they were dealing with a runaway or an angry 12-year-old who was pissed at her parents and would probably be back soon. At this point, Shannon had only been missing for about nine hours, so this didn't yet have the earmarks of an emergency situation. But Sunday night turned into Monday morning quickly, and Shannon still hadn't shown up. And now she was missing a school day, which was a big deal. Her parents were sure that something was wrong. But the police were still skeptical because it was clear that Shannon was a rebel, and maybe she was hiding out somewhere around town to make some sort of a point to her parents. The police categorized Shannon's case as that of a runaway. Her parents said that she was missing, and the neighbors said there was drama. So the next group of people they spoke to were Shannon's friends, but none of them knew where she was. And this is not good. Monday morning turned to Monday evening, and real worry and concern started to creep in. Now investigators are wondering if something more sinister is at play here. In channeling a normal investigative thought process, they may have started to wonder whether Sharon's parents could be involved in their daughter's disappearance. After all, they themselves admitted to the rocky relationship that existed within their family. Officers fan out to speak with more of Shannon's social circle. Acquaintances, teachers, classmates, neighbors. But no one had any idea where she could be or who she could be with. It was a mystery, but that was all about to change. It was now Wednesday, October 11th. Shannon had been missing for 72 hours. And at around 5 p.m., a hiker was walking on a bike trail in East Mahoning Township, which was actually in Pennsylvania, just an hour from the Ohio border. This particular area was one that our first-degree Lashika had heard about before. And although she'd never been, teens at her school referred to this place as Zombieland. Just the name Zombieland is really creepy in itself and uh, comes with a lot of urban legends about monsters or like murderers and killers. So I never wanted to go. I had heard about people going out to Zombieland to drink or do drugs, but I wasn't, I just wasn't, I wasn't like invited to parties. I wasn't um, super popular myself. And there were many stories about Zombieland. 
there was the bridge known by locals as the Frankenstein Bridge. Legend had it that if someone wrote your name upon this bridge, bloodthirsty ghouls that lived under the bridge would rise up and kill you. There was the abandoned house, which locals called the Blood House where a witch lived and lured young children to their deaths before burying them in a cornfield. And then there was the green man, the glowing ghost of a man who was electrocuted in the area and continued to haunt the grounds. All these stories made for Halloween tales and urban legends, but tragically, Shannon would now be added to the lore of Zombieland because on Wednesday afternoon, the body of 12-year-old Shannon Lee Koss was found. I saw it on the news. It was a news story about a girl, a young girl who was missing and they had found remains and yeah, just like super young. And I just was like, what? I saw it. I like, I saw the snippet of news and I thought, God, I need to find out what happened. When police arrived at Zombieland, what they found was something right out of a horror movie. Shannon's body was lying face down near an abandoned railroad line. She had many visible sharp force injuries. She'd been stabbed, and it seemed as though her killer or killers had tried to conceal their crime by attempting to burn Shannon's remains. The investigation into the disappearance of Shannon Lee Koss had now switched gears. Shannon had been murdered, and brutally at that. And who could be responsible for something so horrific? Shannon's face was all over news TV segments and newspapers, and police hoped that tips would start pouring in. Police processed the scene, hoping that some physical evidence was left behind that could point to a possible suspect in this case. An autopsy was conducted, and it was revealed that Shannon had been stabbed 14 times in the neck and torso, and the police believed that a large knife had been the murder weapon. And based on the level of decomposition, they believed that she had been killed somewhere between 48 and 72 hours before she was found. And like we said, large portions of her body had been burned. The community was reeling from the news of Shannon's death. But no one was more devastated than her family. And they made the following statement to the media. And here's what they said. Quote, Shannon was a bright, artistic girl whose life became troubled within the past year for reasons we are still struggling to understand. We made many attempts in cooperation with her school and through counseling to help her. Little victim blamey. And it it feels to me, this is 2000, it's almost like they were anticipating criticism. I think it almost is setting up that they believe that Shannon might have died by suicide. Yeah, maybe they didn't know yet when they made the statement, the circumstances under which, because it just seems defensive. There's something, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cases like this were not common in Struthers. And understandably, everyone who heard about this was shaken to the core. Who would do this to a 12-year-old girl? Detectives were determined to answer that question, and luckily, as they hoped, tips did start to roll in. Someone who had driven by the Zombieland area on the night after Shannon had disappeared reported seeing a 94 Dodge Shadow parked alongside the road, not far from where Shannon's body had been found. The police went back to Shannon's friends, and this time, they started to open up about some of Shannon's activities in the weeks prior to her murder. And some of those activities involved a much older boy that Shannon had been seeing, a boy named Billy Monday. And when we say older, we mean significantly older because Billy wasn't a boy. Billy was a man. He was 21 years old and he had been, quote unquote, seeing Shannon for about a month. And remember, Shannon's 12. So Billy was a local around town. He was a bit of a metalhead and he hadn't really done much since high school. 
And obviously, police are going to look at this man who was hanging around with a 12-year-old girl, but when they found out one detail about him, they knew they had to bring him in. But what was that detail? Well, Billy's mom drove a 1994 Dodge Shadow, one that matched the description of the one seen near where Shannon's body had been found. So once this connection was made, Billy was brought in for questioning, obviously. And it wasn't long until two more of Billy's friends were also brought into the police department to be interrogated. Their names were Dave Garvey and Perry Riccardi, and both were 20 years old. And then a tale started to unravel. By October 15th, all three of them had been arrested for killing 12-year-old Shannon. In Billy's mugshot, he has a thin mustache, short spiky hair, and a hollow, dead look on his face. Dave's mugshot depicts a man with a mustache, a goatee, and swept back hair, and another glazed look over his face. Both of these guys look literally dead inside. And the police believed that Shannon had fallen into a trap set by the man who planned to rape and murder her. They said, quote, We believe that these three guys planned to rape and kill her, and that this was a kill for thrill. We believe that sometime between when they picked her up and when she was killed, they decided that they were going to rape and kill her. When Lashika had heard about the murder of this 12-year-old girl, she was disturbed, of course. Who wouldn't be if you heard of such a horrific crime being committed in your own backyard? But when she found out who was arrested for committing the crime, she was floored. I really didn't know what happened. Um, I didn't have, I didn't feel like crying, I guess, into what was going on. And then I paid more attention when it was like, okay, this, there was remains found, the body found, and it's believed, you know, the suspects are, you know, these people. And I was just like, whoa, uh, did they just say Perry Riccardi? Like, and then they, Dave Garvey and Billy Money, and I just thought they have the wrong person. There's no way that Perry would be involved in this, or Dave. Lashika actually knew all three of these men. In fact, she'd known Billy Monday since she was Shannon's age. I met Billy in middle school. He was ahead of me, um, but he was good friends with my best friend's older brother. And so, like, he would always be in the neighborhood. He lived a couple streets down. We lived in these apartments. There was all a certain level of dysfunction with all the families. We kind of, like, called one another boyfriend and girlfriend, but it really wasn't, <laughs> like... Just the fact that he would like come over and I would braid his hair or um, just hang out. Like I thought that that was being boyfriend and girlfriend, but we never like went out on dates. I was way too young to date anyway. Billy Monday and Dave Garvey were best friends. In fact, Dave was living with Billy at the time the murder took place. They were all friends. Um, I think they were like a little bit of a clique and... They were kind of like the outsiders. They weren't like gothic, but they liked heavy metal. They liked, you know, like Metallica or Insane Clown Posse or some of the like darker musics. But they didn't really seem to like get get excited about being destructive of property or other people. Like they weren't getting in fights or beating other people up or anything like that. Like. They just kind of were chill and doing their own thing and having good times. And I don't ever recall Dave even like raising a voice. He just was so calm and mellow. But 
he was a bit of a follower. I think that when he found his people, his group, he stuck with them no matter what. He's very loyal, but he was, he just seemed so gentle. And while Lashika knew Dave and Billy, she was closest to Perry and his arrest and involvement shocked her the absolute most. My relationship with Perry, we were closer than I was. I think I was the closest to Perry out of all of, all of the guys. He had a charisma. He had just this way about him. He was just really, he had a great smile. We were in show choir together. That's really where we got close. And we spent a lot of time on school buses going to and from performances and hanging out and talking. We did hang out after school sometimes. He was older than me. Uh, I thought he was just so handsome. He had great hair and like I said, great smile. And he could sing and, you know, he had a sister, an older sister. So I think he had a, an appreciation for females um, that some guys his age didn't have. I think that um, he was really kind. He, he would stand up for people or what he, you know, things he believed in, even though it wasn't popular opinion and other kids would, you know, make fun of tease him but it didn't seem to bother him he just seemed very secure in himself and it didn't feel like anyone could shake that Lashika had spent a lot of time alone with Perry as well with Perry I mean we at one point I remember we were in a car together just he and I and we had like gone to this there's this little lake in Struthers and there's like a little road that pulls off and we had gone there and we just sat there at the lake in the car just watching you know like it was getting dusk so it would just kind of the sun was coming down and it just seemed really nice and we would just talk we just talked to each other about stuff just our future our hopes we didn't talk about like traumatic things that happened to us. We wanted to be successful. We wanted to do something with with our lives. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop, or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways, and with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences, and before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first-degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. 
Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on the realreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Once Billy, Dave, and Perry were in custody, each confessed to varying degrees and gave bits and pieces and snippets of what had happened on the night of Shannon's murder. And here's the picture that the three of them painted. It turned out that Billy and Shannon had been romantically involved for about a month, and it's not clear how and where they met, but the prosecutor in this case, in media interviews, specifically mentioned how troubling this age difference between Shannon and Billy was. And when we say romantically involved, of course, this was a 21-year-old with a 12-year-old, so we're calling this rape here. This, he was raping her. On October 8th, Shannon called Billy and asked him to pick her up in front of a laundromat in Youngstown, which is not far from where she lived. So Dave was living with Billy at this time, and after they picked up Shannon, they picked up Perry at his house. Billy was driving, Dave was in the back seat with Shannon, and Perry sat up front in the passenger seat. Then they stopped at a fast food place where they bought nachos for Shannon. From there, the four of them eventually drove across the state line to the desolate Zombieland area. And before they got out of the car, they smoked some weed. They were all hanging out outside and walking around. And at a certain point when it was getting late, Shannon said that she wanted to go home. But then Billy said that she needed to take a walk before they could leave. It's at this point investigators learned that these men had mused and discussed a shared fantasy that they had. One that involved killing and raping a girl. And it's something that they would talk about when they would go to Zombieland beforehand. These three guys, they would drink some whiskey, they'd smoke some weed, and then they'd talk about a scenario they one day wanted to act out. And this scenario involved picking up a young female, 
taking her to a secluded area and knocking her unconscious before raping her. Sometimes they discussed next steps. Maybe they would drop the victim off naked outside a police station or maybe after the rape, they would murder her. Now, okay, this shared delusion thing is so interesting to me because we kind of hear about this in different scenarios. Like this reminds me sort of of the Slenderman case where how do you find other people that are as fucking nuts as you are that have these same desires Right. I think what it is personally is less about finding people who share the same sick fantasies as you. It's all about the ratio but amongst these friends whose will is stronger, who who's more impressionable. Because if you have a really domineering personality, somebody who's really charismatic and makes this sort of thing sound cool, and then you have a really weak charactered person, they're just going to adapt to the stronger personality. And I think, especially in this sort of age group, they're post high school, Mm -hmm. little direction. I think it's really easy to manipulate people who don't have direction. And I mean, I think that's a simple explanation. It's way more complex than that because you have to be any one of us would would stand up and leave a room if something inappropriate was going on. Um, but I don't know, Billy. Do yeah. you have any insight? No, I, th- I think it's. I think you're right. It, it's listen. Finding three people, you're not going around on the first day of school or the last day of school and saying, "Hey, what are you doing after graduation? Do you want to do this sick shit?" Right, That's not right. happening. But you find somebody. You find people that are. Um, that are similar to you. So they're, you know, and there's in, in every friend group, there's usually going to be somebody that's more of a leader. Dominant, yeah. And, you know, you're going to test that out. And who knows if he tested this out and tested this, this, this desire out with maybe some other dudes as well. And, but these are the only guys that said, yeah, that would be cool. Well, I think the testing out is the is the discussion like it's a joke. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what yeah, I was exactly. say too, yeah. where it's like, I'm sure... There are, you know, thousands of people that have, I mean, though this is like a sick discussion, most people don't think that they're going to actually act it out one day. Right. So that's where, you know, you kind of cross the line where maybe two out of three of these guys never thought it would actually come to a reality and then get stuck in a situation. Correct. So on the night that these three guys had Shannon alone at Zombieland, according to Perry's statement, during the walk they were on with Shannon, remember they said... Before you can go home, we're going to go on a walk. And during this walk, Billy whispered to him, quote, nobody knows where Shannon is right now. And then he asked him to answer yes or no in reference to their plans to rape and kill Shannon. So Perry then told the police that after Billy questioned him and pressed him multiple times, he finally said yes. And it's then that the three suspects discussed how to carry out this crime. And no one could decide who was going to deliver the first blow. And at a certain point, Shannon asked one of them for some change, for some coins, because she wanted to throw some coins in a nearby river for good luck, to make a wish. One of the men gave her 50 cents, and she tossed the money in the water. And it was at that moment that Billy grabbed Shannon from behind and pushed her to the ground. The other two joined in and pulled her pants off. Perry said that Billy offered him Shannon, but he refused to assault her. And Dave Garvey tried to, but he couldn't perform. And when I say perform, he couldn't rape her. 
Then Billy picked up a knife and started stabbing her neck from behind. Shannon was screaming as Perry walked away. I thought, God, you know, they have the wrong people. And then as the case progressed and I, you know, saw that there was like a confession and there was, you know, a statement and I, I was just rocked. Like, how could someone that I knew do something, you know, the person that could give you their shirt off their back that was just kind could do something like this to someone and it'd be planned and have the ability to stop it and not. I, I was sick to my stomach um, because anything regarding like children, any abuse to children, even a sexual relationship consensual, I don't think should take place between someone who's 20 and someone who's 12. I just don't think you shouldn't be hanging out. <laughs> so I was disgusted. I was angry. I was hurt for the family, for, for all the families, for the town. Not many people were interested in him. And usually I find that when guys want to be with like really younger girls, it's because they can't find someone their own age that would want to be with someone like them. He was not bright. So he probably wasn't very well developed. The intellect wasn't there. So finding a a young person, a 12 year old, that they're kind of like on your same level, but at the same time, you're older and you're bigger and you can exert control and power over them. After they killed Shannon, Billy and Dave went to a gas station, they washed themselves off, and they cleaned off the knife. And Billy told the others what an adrenaline rush the whole thing was for him. And in an attempt at an explanation, Billy told the detectives that he and Dave had taken eight hits of acid before they picked up Shannon outside of the laundromat. Billy then said that he quote-unquote saw red and basically blacked out. As he came out of his acid trip, he saw Shannon bleeding on the ground. He remembered this in bits, pieces, and flashes, and then he remembered seeing Dave covered in blood and holding the knife. The following day, Billy and Dave went back to the gas station, and they bought 25 cents worth of gas. They put that gas in a soda bottle, and they went back to Shannon's body, and they dumped the gas on her remains. Then they used a wooden match in an attempt to burn Shannon's body, along with evidence of the horrible thing that they had done. And they underestimated the difficulty of this task, and eventually they abandoned their efforts. Divers searched a nearby lake called Lake Hamilton in search of the murder weapon, and they eventually did find the serrated fold-up knife that belonged to Dave Garvey. The knife was found in 50 feet of water about 25 feet from the shore. Blood belonging to Shannon was found on Billy Monday's black Fila sneakers, and there were bloody footprints found at the scene as well. Friends of the three boys were interviewed, and many were aware of their sick fantasies and had heard them discussing them before. Dave Garvey and Billy Monday would pull out their pocket knives and talk about how nice it would be to kill someone. And the group of men apparently had a saying when it came to young girls, quote, too young to date, but not too young to rape. Dave, Perry, and Billy were each charged with one count of criminal conspiracy to commit rape, 
criminal conspiracy to commit homicide, kidnapping, and unlawful restraint. All three were also charged with abuse of a corpse. And at one of the criminal court hearings just a month after the killing, Shannon's mother, Patricia, was in the attendance. She actually walked up to Billy and slammed him in the back of the head. And honestly, I admire her restraint because I would have done so much worse. And following the incident, a sheriff had to stand in between them for the rest of the hearing. Prosecutors called what had happened to Shannon a kill for thrill. And that Shannon was purposefully targeted for brutality. And then to cover the murder, her body was soaked with gasoline and set ablaze. To the media, prosecutors promised to seek the death penalty in the case against all three perpetrators. Motive, I just don't get the motive. How could you? Why did you allow this to take place? Why did you not stop it? Didn't you think of other people? What were you thinking? I didn't ever feel uncomfortable with Perry. Even when I was alone with him, I didn't feel like he was trying, you know, oogling me or, or trying making advances that I didn't want or, or anything. And we kissed and it was tender and it was beautiful. And so I just can't reconcile the actions that um, he's imprisoned for. As it unfolded, I was just like, it was just disbelief. So like alternate reality, like this cannot be happening. Why would he allow something like this to happen? Why would Perry allow this? Why would, why would Dave participate? Like why, like could the two of them not have just been like, this is not cool. We're out, you know, just run, run away from danger. Billy, Dave and Perry each had separate court proceedings. Perry was 22 by the time he went to trial, and he took the stand and testified in his own defense and pointed to the fact that he didn't actually inflict any of the physical wounds that killed Shannon on that night. The defense, in fact, pointed to Billy as the mastermind in the crime, but the jury did not care. This was such a horrific crime in this area, there was no way that he was getting away with being on the fringes of this and not being as accountable as as Billy was. So Perry was found guilty of first-degree murder, kidnapping, unlawful restraint, as well as conspiracy. Dave Garvey pleaded guilty to third-degree murder. With his plea, he avoided the death penalty and was sentenced to 20 to 40 years in prison. Billy Monday ended up pleading guilty and was sentenced to life in prison. So while each of them escaped with their lives, the whole ordeal demonstrates the waste of four lives that could have gone on to do incredible things. But instead, Shannon is dead and three young 20-somethings will rot in prison. And of course, to those who had known these three men who were implicated in this nightmarish crime, this entire scenario was surreal and chilling. Because remember, Lashika had spent a lot of time with each of these guys, so this is very unnerving. Uh, you know, maybe they were just guys who were good at showing people pieces of themselves that they were okay with, with giving. And I, I always put myself in like that situation, like, what would I do? Like I say now, like, why didn't you stop it? Or why didn't you say no? Or why didn't you run? And I'd like to believe that I would be able to do that. I'd like to believe that I wouldn't even get myself in that situation. But if I did, would I be strong enough to to stop it? 
Billy, Dave, and Perry remain in prison to this day. And while Perry is appealing his sentence, no significant movement or progress has occurred. I I just imagine them sitting in prison, hopefully thinking about the destruction they've caused to so many people, regretting and trying to make whatever amends that they can possibly make. So following the life sentences, how did those who knew them feel? I felt relief that possibly there would be some sort of some sort of closure for families. My hope is that they are thinking on a regular basis daily about their victim and their victim's families and I hope they regret it deeply. I remember thinking, like, you can never truly, really know anyone, no matter how close you are. I mean, I imagine that his, Perry's family, his sister never thought that he would be a part of something like this. And because of that, it it does make me more cautious um, about who I spend time with, not being so careless and reckless and, and thinking that just because we're young doesn't mean that you won't be able to hurt me because everyone potentially can be a murderer. So the one picture of Shannon that is available online, she's wearing one of those stretchy black black chokers chokers that were supposed to look sort of like henna tattoo, right? And it's so funny, in my seventh grade picture, I'm wearing one of those too. And my hair is up in a messy bun, just like hers. And it looks like she's my friend in high school. Absolutely. And the picture that's available, I don't know if it was a school picture, but it kind of, the way that it looks, almost looks like one of those mall portrait kind of pictures. So for us, I mean, she was a year or two younger than both of us. So it kind of hits home because we would have been her age at the time. And if she was still here, she would have been our age now. And for me, it's weird. I had a really rebellious, strange period between probably 12 and 14 as well. That was when I was the angriest, listening to the fewest rules. And it just makes you really think about all the times I, I snuck out of the house, all the times I did something bad. It could have ended this way. And you just never think you're going out for fun with your friends. You're going out for fun with these older guys. And you just never think anyone's out to hurt you. And these people were musing not only about killing someone, but they were being vocal about it in front of their other friends. And no one did anything or said anything. And they just appeased them by pretending it was okay to have these these feelings. And I'm not saying that we're responsible for the actions of others, but certainly if a friend or an acquaintance is, don't assume people are joking, I guess. I don't know what else to... It's not a thing that one should ever be joking about. Yeah. And I think the sort of zero tolerance has definitely, we've seen it with school shootings. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody makes a comment, oh, I want to shoot up a school, oh, I want to blow up the school, we've gotten a lot better uh, of saying, you know what, there's something off Acting here. On it, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I think... You know, it, that that's what's ringing in my head when it comes to something like this, is that it's not just something like that. It's not just school shootings. People, potentially, if they're talking about this as well, got to go tell somebody. Absolutely. We started this episode with the most famous lines from the poet Robert Frost. 
these words are often quoted during graduation speeches or retirement toasts. They are meant to illustrate that choosing the uncommon path will lead to success, to something different, to individuality. And that is one interpretation. Another could be that no matter which road you choose, you never know what you might have missed on the other road. And for our first degree, making out with that boy in that car by the lake, that other road might have made all the difference. Well, a huge, huge thank you to Lashika for being our first degree guest. If you are listening and you have a story that you would like to tell, please email us hello at the first degree podcast.com. Please follow us on Instagram at the first degree at Alexis Linkletter at Billy Jensen at Jack Vanek. Join our Facebook group. There are 8,000 people in there. It's crazy. We're talking all the true crime and we would love for you to join by just searching the first degree at the search bar and stick around because we're going to kill some time. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close. But not that close. It's the first time it's been on time. Yeah, because when we were doing it digitally, we couldn't match it up. But um, happy toilet paper day. I won't do the under Oh my God, Roll don't again. be an under. Happy dog day. Happy make your own luck day. Make your own luck, everyone. <laughs> be like Billy Zane and Billy Titanic. Zane and like Titanic. Don't be, be a Billy. Not Jensen. Jensen. <laughs> Just Zane. Happy dog day. Bye. Our music, mixing, and sound design on today's episode is courtesy of the wonderful, the amazing Jared Monaco. And shout out to our new producing team, Caitlin Cleveland and Taylor Rogers. Sources for today's episode include the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Dayton Daily News, the Ohio Tribune, the Akron Beacon Journal, the LA Times, the Times Tribune, court documents, and as always, our first degree guest is always our largest source. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Killing Time. I know we didn't have Killing Time last week, but I said it would be worth it for this week because we're fucking together. Yes. The gang's all back. Gangs are here. And okay. Jared's here. Nice. Hey, Jared. Come on, hey, guys. Come on, Jared. What? Come on, what? You want me to speak up? Mission Control. He's c- so. Yes, Jared's here controlling the scenario. We need him. Thank well, you, Jared. When we would record in person, which now you guys, it's been six months we're talking about. Literally today. six months. Six March, months. March, the beginning of March was the last time we did it. I can't believe it's been six months, it's number unreal. one. It's sad. Very but sad. when we would record, Jared would always be, you know, around. Ma- but you'd be manning the system <laughs> yeah. to make sure that we didn't fuck it up because we fucked it up so many times. So right? many I think times. you I think you guys have done a great job of doing this from home. Like honestly, it's and it's also easier. It is easier. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. easier than doing it together. It takes less time to set up. Yep. It takes less time to schlep somewhere. I do enjoy you guys in person more so though. I it's miss more the so hang. for it's, worth it's it. more so for the hangs. Totally. I know, but you guys did come over with a whole suitcase for all of our shit. 
it was a whole suitcase where mm-hmm. I keep that little box of our, our remote recording stuff like up on a ledge. It's low, you know, maintenance. It's really easy. But I do feel like part of our chemistry is lost when it we're is. not together. It is. So it's really good to be back in the same room with you all. And we've, we're being really safe about it. I was just tested a couple of days ago. So was I. So was Jared. So was I. So, so was Billy. So was I. Yep. So we thought it was the perfect time for all of us to join forces. Correct. Alexis and I have been in our uh, quarantine pods for like months. Right. And then Alexis and Billy are working on a new project. We are. We're going to be, me and Billy are going to be living in a house together for six weeks. Can you talk about what the project is? We cannot. We can't talk about the specifics, but we can talk about, we could what can we say? What can you tease? I feel like you got to tease that it's the a, people. We can say that it's a TV project and we can say that it's about... It takes place on the East Coast. On the East the Coast. We can say it's Long Island, actually. Okay. Okay, right. so wow. think about a true crime-related something Case based Long in Island. Long Island and do some deductive reasoning. Yes. So that will be out in February. Yes. So, Damn. and as soon as we can say something, we will. We will. Well, yeah. I am actually a little bit offended that I wasn't invited to take part I'm in this project. I'm so sad you can't come. What the hell am I going to do with Billy for six weeks in the house? <laughs> I don't know. Ugh. I'll be surprised if you guys both both make it out alive. To you, be fair, you know what, Jack? I was actually going to ask you this um, without talking to Alexis, but could we have? Kind of a hotline that, that I can talk to you during this entire thing. You know what your hotline is? It's Jared. It's Jared, yes. Just FaceTime Jared. I'm going to hear Billy in his bedroom talking about golden retrievers and playing main music. I'm going to I'm gonna know for sure who he's talking to. And if I hear your voice on the other end of that FaceTime, Jacqueline, with Billy, I will feel betrayed. I know. You know whose side you're on. Well, we're literally sitting on two separate sides of the room right now because Us we have the, it's literally girls versus boys yes. in this whole situation well i'm gonna open up my hotline for billy (laughs) thank you yeah honestly i'll just barge in and i'll just join i'll just billy (laughs) you're not gonna have a lock on your door no privacy billy will be like i hate this so much about alexis you'll be like i hate it too (laughs) yeah (laughs) anything you hate about me i already hate more (laughs) so beat you (laughs) don't worry no one hates me more than me See, that's what I think is such a... It's so great when there's haters. Like, you get haters online sometimes, mm-hmm. right, Billy? It's Tons like, of haters. Look, I hate myself more than you do. Don't worry about it. Yeah. What do you think you're going to get yeah, under my like, skin? There's nothing that you can do that's going to make me feel any worse than, than no. you already how do. I already feel. Well, what I was cracking up about, I think it was two till- killing times ago I was talking about this. And I was like, there's a reason we made our podcast scripted. It's We took our personalities out of it because we hate them too. <laughs> so, and it's only Stay if you stick around for killing time that that means you sort of like it, which I commend you. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. We're polarizing to some people, sure. I'm sure. So yeah. it's like we got some shit sometimes for like inserting too much of our personality into the episodes. It's also hard to like, we joke around and have a good time. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to make sure that it, that is respectful 100% of the time. So it's like, we're going to like remove all that shit out. Especially because we're talking about such sensitive topics. So we're happy to be, have the bedside manner to not be joking around and all of that, which we don't anymore. And we never really did. I mean, no, we always we took this really very did. seriously. No. But that being said, if you don't like our personality, there's none of that in the show. Just yeah. don't listen to Killing Time and you'll, you won't have to deal with our shenanigans. It's literally like reading from a script. Absolutely. Sometimes poorly. Yes. That is why we put it at the end. That is why we put it at the end. Okay, so this is the first day that we have hung out 
in six months mm-hmm. as a group. Well, we did have one social distancing a couple of months ago. So we got kicked off the beach. That's when we got kicked off the beach. We I live um, near the marina in Los Angeles, and we had like a quote unquote beach hang, and there was only four of us there, and we were sitting probably. 20 feet away from each other because we I was so we scared to be around no another human. Yeah. There was no nothing. We didn't, yeah, we did not go near each other. And we got yelled at for being on that beach. Mm-hmm. Because and now, some, now? So a, a car drove by saying, You're in the middle of a pandemic. And we're the only people on the beach yet. Now, when I look, look outside and we're still in the middle of a pandemic, there were thousands of yeah. people <laughs> on top of each other. <laughs> Isn't that weird? I don't know what to do about that. I don't know what to think about that. Well, it's conflicting because the safest place to be is outside. Especially at the beach where you got that breezy air. Humans being such social creatures, if you're trying to be safe, a compromise would be meeting a friend outside. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of just difficult because there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. I think bottom line is is that if 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 you meet friends outside, if you social distance, you're good. Yeah. It's go, it, it, where the spread happens is when you're inside, uh, when you go to a party, when you go to a family party, when people are hugging, it's all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Outside always, which is my dream. Yeah. I Honestly, always, you're, you're built for this. I'm built for the pandemic. Yes. I don't want it to be here <laughs> any no. longer. Mm-mm. So that was the first time we hung out. So we're, we hung out today. We had like a little pre-hang. Yes. I decided to make some drinks. Yes. Guys, how are the drinks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... The revised drink was amazing. Do it, tell tell everybody what what I made you. So she made this amazing water spicy watermelon margarita, and it was amazing. Except it was so spicy. I put an entire jalapeno in, and so for anybody that doesn't follow me on Instagram, which you should, I do these cocktail videos every week. I make Jared a cocktail. I don't know how to make cocktails at all. I suck at cocktail making. I think you're good, but I but I make them for Jared. You bet. You by the way, you've done an awesome job. Like they're usually, actually, they're always good. You're they're always good. The ones you've made me when we were in San Diego, when we were doing our distance pod there, mm-hmm. like our our safety pod for a couple of weeks there, it was amazing. Well, all everyone that, you made. All that said, the one thing that you don't know how to do yet is manage spice. No. I, I don't know how to cut up a jalapeno correctly. That yeah. being said, though, for example, a shishito pepper, some are spicy, some aren't. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you anticipate mm-hmm. how angry a pepper True. is going to be? It's not Jack. It's the pepper. Exactly. Mm. You know, it's never my fault. No. <laughs> Those are the spiciest drinks. We are all sipping out of them. Yeah. I know you guys didn't want to hurt my feelings, but we're all sipping out of them. <laughs> Everybody's like, Jack, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> Billy was Billy looked like he was going to pass out because he is the most limited palate of anyone I, I I've ever met in my life. Do you not life. like spice, Billy? I'm not a spice guy. No. Billy Have doesn't you even seen like... my pallor? Yeah. <laughs> Your what? My pallor. My, my, What's a my palette? paleness. Like, 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 like how I look. A pallor? It's pallor, yeah. Ooh. What does that have to do with what you like spicy-wise? Yeah, because it, it just shows that like I'm a pale guy. That, weak. That, that uh, I, you know, weak. Give me some boiled chicken. Ew. And some, boiled chicken. And some, you know, Sick. like ziti, <laughs> ziti with butter. Ew. Actually, a, a pasta butter with butter is delicious. <laughs> it is delicious. I mean, again, I know we just talked about this, but it needs to be brought up any time that we can talk about it, that Billy got spaghetti from a sushi place. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I will never... We drove over here and it came up in the yeah. car. And I, I literally said, I'm never going to live this down. No. I did not order the spaghetti. I was like, you ordered steak with a side of spaghetti I from a Japanese this, yeah. restaurant. And then honestly, I was thinking like, if a restaurant ever wanted to mess with somebody that they knew 
like had two friends that would never let them live any anything. They would just always like deliver something just weird, and then yeah. because that's what happened. Because I did no, not you order spaghetti. It. You picked it. Billy, yes, you happened. did. We saw you pick it. Jack placed the order. She placed the Postmates, and you said, "I'll take the noodles." <laughs> Noodles is one thing. It's not spaghetti. It was. Well, it was a spaghetti with marinara sauce from a sushi place. It It was buttered spaghetti, buttered noodles. Jared, would you order that for me? Spaghetti with soy sauce. (laughs) 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 It's a good compromise. I would. I probably would. I'd try it at least once. I got to feed those calves. I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) I need sustenance. Yeah. I was running a marathon the next day. Yeah. You're pretty sedentary. Yeah, running a marathon and then also drinking like six beers. (laughs) Billy doesn't move fast. Really? You're like a slow snake. I feel like (laughs) he slithers down the street. I feel like Billy's got a pretty crazy top speed. I bet you he's quick. Because his legs are like a mile long. He's got a stride. Doubtful. I bet you he does. (laughs) Do you guys want to conserve his energy for all of his other shenanigans? (laughs) I'm injured right now. Oh, my God. Okay. Have we called enough time? I don't have. I don't can we ha- call yeah, it? We, we don't have. Do you yeah. know how you long call it is? It. I don't have the time up right now. It's how not, long do I'd we have think to that stop was? It. Probably ten minutes. It's, it's about ten fine. minutes. We'll I call think it. It's fine. Yeah, let's call it. Let's cut call it. Call it whatever time this is. Beep. Oh, we can left time. Beep. Beep beep, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs>